0: Morning everyone. Morning. We have a lot of visitors. This is good. It's nice to meet all well, returning visitors. It's nice to meet the new visitors. It's good to see our returning visitors. Um, it's, it's easy to fill up this little room. So uh, when you guys visit it's very noticeable for us even in the singing and uh, just new faces and it's encouraging. So thank you for finding us and, and coming and visiting with us. <clears throat> um, we had our our singing in our class time this morning, and if I had my way, we would just come here and sing for two or three hours, and then take the Lord's supper, and we'd be done. <clears throat> my voice wouldn't last for that long, um, but uh, I think in heaven it, it will last for eternity. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to, and and maybe on the high notes, Angela not bringing me down. <laughs> That's a joke, y'all. <laughs> Angela's got a professional voice, and I'm I'm kind of I have one of those voices where you can define what a professional voice is <laughs> <laughs> by contrast. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, yeah, so we had we had a good singing, we have a, we've had a good worship. Um, we're just going to look at a few thoughts from Scripture this morning, um, and then we'll wrap up our, our worship service. Um, our our theme this year is taken from First Corinthians chapter three. If you want to turn over there, you can. I'm just going to reference a couple of verses. Um, it's building on the foundation of Jesus which brings several thoughts into mind being built, right, because we're built building, you know, what are we doing building on the foundation and then there's the focus on the foundation itself what is, what is the foundation, what does it mean for me to do things on the foundation um, the lesson today is going to dabble kind of in several of those little sub-themes but I'll read uh, 1 Corinthians 3 verses 10 and 11 Uh, for reference. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians, According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he's making the point that the work that's going on in Corinth cannot be done on some other foundation. There is not another foundation. Paul, being the first one to arrive there, he laid the foundation. He says, I laid the foundation. I'm not the foundation. I laid it. The foundation is Jesus. Everyone who works in Corinth now needs to be careful. Build on on the foundation. So that's where our our theme comes from. What I want to look at first is this aspect of Jesus being our foundation is that he became human. And... uh, There's a lot said about that, and I'm not. There's no way I can explain, you know, how deity becomes part of his own creation. And we're not going to get into the philosophical aspects of all of that. We're just going to look at the statements that are made, the facts that Jesus became human. Um, But also, uh, this is something that struck me this week or this past week. He fulfilled that role of being a creature. Better than any other human did which is in one way it's it's not hard to understand but in another way for me it is really hard to understand um, he's not a creature he's self-existent deity Right, and we'll'll we'll, we'll get into that, but let's establish the facts first, okay, so Hebrews two, we, we read, I want to look at just an excerpt from there, um, verses 14 through 18. <clears throat> These are just stating the facts, right? Uh, Hebrews two, beginning in verse 14. We just heard this, but I want to I want to now that you know the, the point of the lesson, I want to bring this to the forefront of your mind. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. That through death he might render powerless him who has the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Verse 17. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So there are several facts listed in here, but the gist of those five verses is Jesus became a person and suffered the temptations that people suffer. And he died like people die. His body stopped functioning. He went through death. As right God taking on flesh. Right? Those, those are just the facts. Okay. Uh, as I said earlier, you know, there are facts described here. I'm not going to understand the how. right? Um, I'm not deity, and I'm not going to be deity. So I don't think it's something that I'm just not going to understand now. I don't think I'm ever going to understand it, how deity makes himself part of his creation. I mean, that's okay. right? We don't need to understand it. You're told the fact. Deity became part of his creation. It happened. right? Now what you have to do is you've got to move on with the conclusions that you draw from that. Well, what does that mean, right? Um, I don't know how deity can be made like his brethren, still be deity. I don't know how deity can be tempted, right? I mean, what's more appealing to deity than being deity? <laughs> I mean, you're not, you're not going to find anything that's more appealing. Be- but Jesus was tempted. It's so just a fact. I don't have to explain to you how it happened, and he doesn't have to explain to me how it happened. He just says, I was tempted. I'm like, okay, all right, I got it. You were tempted, right? So I accept these things as true and I use them to draw conclusions. This is what I want you to do today. Don't get hung up in the philosophical stuff that you're never going to answer. Move on. Draw conclusions from the facts that you've been given, right? Don't get distracted by the how. Okay, another passage with facts. Philippians chapter 2. This is sort of a a secondary point he's talking to the Philippians and he's like you guys need to get your attitude straight but he uses Jesus as the the, the foil against them right to uh, the example Uh, Philippians 2 beginning in verse 5 have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus who although he existed in the form of God right the word did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself Taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So this passage is telling us a lot of the same facts, different flavor, you know, different you know, aspects maybe. He emptied himself, right? Like Whatever I am, I'm going to pour that out for a time so that I can be a creature not that he was created, right? Now we know his body was prepared for him, right? His body was part of the creation. As a being he wasn't created, right? But he he took on that role. And then he humbled himself. I mean, that's something we're told here that that's part of being a creature and that, that's that's kind of the key point I'm going to I'm going to draw out of the lesson today is the creator humbled himself not just because he thought like oh I'm, I'm just going to humble myself but it was because he was now in the role of the creature he was part of his creation and it was necessary for a human to humble himself otherwise you lose the role of humanity right that's what sin is. Is me saying, I don't need to humble myself. I'm going to be what I want to be. Right? And I'm going to act the way I want to act. Well, Jesus took on, he didn't just take on the body, is the point that I'm trying to make. He took on the role of the creature, even though he was the creator. Um, so, you know, I don't know about you, but. A lot of times, when I think of Jesus becoming a man, I think of him, of him having experiences that are that are like mine. Um, you know, I don't not, not in the details. I mean, he didn't drive a car, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying. <clears throat> he he didn't like getting up in the morning, or you know, I, I that's the kind of thing I think about, right? Like, and particularly during the Lord's Supper, like when I take the cup, I look at the the little veins in the back of my hand that I'm like I wonder if he ever like looked at his veins and thought like you know I have to give up this blood like you know because he says I, I can't remember where it was maybe it was John 17 he says I kept myself pure for them he knew what he was doing he's like my blood needs to be clean so that when I spill it <coughs> right so I mean I, when I think about him becoming man I think about him like having you know aches and pains or whatever um and I, you know, to an extent, that's true. But I, but here's the problem: if I if I just stop at that point, is I'm not very good at being a creature. If I was really good at being a creature, I wouldn't sin. If I knew how to be a human, I wouldn't sin. No, 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 that's not. I'm not. I know how to be a human. <laughs> <laughs> if I was able to uh, maybe I should rephrase that if I was able to actually pull off being a human right I wouldn't sin and that's, that's a totally uh, right we think that that belongs to God God is, no, God is the one who should be able to pull off right a life without sin <clears throat> but the fact is the definition of sin is me not fulfilling my role as a, as a creature So when I, when I think about Jesus being human, and I say, well, you know, he just kind of had experiences like me, but then he's God, so he didn't sin. I mean, that, 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 that's really, well, no. It means he actually did my job better than me, is what it means. And he, he's not even a created being. And he lived out the life of a created being better than the created beings are doing, right? All of us have sinned. Um, so I, I want to look at a few passages now that address what it means to be uh, human, right? Um, Job fourteen verse fifteen. <clears throat> Some of these are really short. There's not a whole lot of detail in them, but they just make they make it this kind of statement. job fourteen fifteen this is Job in the midst of one of his complaints um, and it's really short, but he's addressing God, and he says, "You will call, and I will answer you. you will long for the work of your hands. Do you ever think about yourself that way? like when you're praying to God like are are you thinking of yourself i'm the work I'm the work of your hands, right?" And I'm I'm coming to you for what you know whatever I think if you if if at least if I thought of myself that way more my prayers would be different I'm the work of your hands and I'm not doing what you want me to do but I'm gonna ask for help anyway well that's not gonna work right I'm the work of your hands implies there was something I was created for well, okay. Now, if I'm going to him in prayer, does it have anything to do with that at all, or is it just, you know, you know, I don't like my house and I want to, you know, I want a nicer one, right? You know, I'm the work of your hands, so you know, give me heaven on earth, right? Make make me feel like I'm in heaven while I'm here. I mean, you, you see what I'm saying? I think if, if we if we had this attitude of our if I had this attitude of myself, it would change my prayers. Psalm 138 is similar. <clears throat> uh, this is um, this is actually the passage I was reading that sort of put me onto this idea. Psalm 138 verses 7 and 8. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the works of your hands. I don't know what it was about this time. I've probably read that 10, 15, 20 times. I don't know. But for whatever reason, when I realized that, I thought, okay... Do I think about myself when, I'm, when I go to God and I say, okay, I'm asking you this in prayer because I don't want you to forsake the works of your hands. I'm your creature. I'm, I'm what you made. And so I'm coming to you for, for aid or, or I'm, I'm giving you thanks for what you've blessed me with in life. Here David is saying, don't forsake the works of your hands. Don't, don't, for, you put all this work into me. You've, you've done so much. Like, don't, don't forsake me. You know, now that you've made me. You know, so I think these, these two verses, they kind of have this sense of blessing and belonging, right? I'm God's. He poured some heart and soul into me and he put some effort into me and he made me. And I, he's, I'm owned by him. There's, you know, it's kind of, warmth in, in these passages. But then there are some passages where they don't convey necessarily warmth. Look at Isaiah twenty nine. <clears throat> Isaiah twenty nine verses fifteen and sixteen, these passages convey more a sense of accountability. Isaiah 29, beginning in verse 15 Woe to those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord and whose deeds are done in a dark place, and they say, Who sees us? Who knows us? You turn things around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? That what is made would say to its maker, He did not make me. Or what is formed say to him who formed it, He has no understanding. So now it's not kind of this warm like oh i you know he made me and it's more like know your place. Who do you think you are in comparison to the creator? Are, you, are you, you like buds? You know, hey. I mean, that that's that's not the context of these passages. These passages are much more serious than that, right? But still, like at, where on the scale, you know, are, are you? Is he your genie? Some people think of the creator as a genie. You know, I I did good this week, so you owe me. So I'm gonna save up my good, and I'm gonna ask for something really big, or you know, whatever. He's the Potter. He imagined your form and then created you. He's he's not he's not a better you. He's not a more He's not a smarter you. He's other. He's not a human. He's he's other. <laughs> but we think of him as like a bigger me. And he just didn't sin. Right? Mm. Well, no. He when when you when you take Plato and you, you make a little mm. person, right? I mean. You just, you, just made, you just made some play-doh, right? You didn't create an equal. God didn't create an equal when he created me. He created a creature. It has no business saying to him, what do you think you're doing? Or, or, or worse, you don't know what you're doing, right? And that's verse 16. He has no understanding, right? Look at Isaiah uh, chapter 45. Isaiah 45, beginning in verse 9. Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker, an earthenware (laughs) vessel among the vessels of earth. Will the clay say to the potter, What are you doing? Or the thing you are making say, He has no hands. Woe to him who says to a father, What are you begetting? Or to a woman, To what are you giving birth? Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and his maker... Ask me about the things to come concerning my sons, and you shall commit to me the work of my hands. It is I who made the earth and created man upon it. I stretched out the heavens with my hands, and I ordained all their host. Right. I mean, this this is kind of offensive, right? Woe to him who says to a father, "What are you beginning?" I mean, that, those are fighting words, right? Hey, what not not who? Right? Or not what gender, but what is your offspring going to be? That's offensive. Or or a pregnant woman, right? What what are you going to give birth to? It's not going to be a baby. That's offensive, right? I mean, we understand that amongst ourselves how offensive that is. But then we say to God, I'm not what, I'm not going to be what you begot. I'm not going to be what you made. I don't really care what it is you thought I was supposed to be. I'm going to be me. Right? Okay, one more in Isaiah. Isaiah 64. This is a short one. And it really just brings the same point. Isaiah 64, verse 8. But now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are potter, and all of us are the work of your hand. It's only the second time in Scripture our Father is used to refer to. I mean, chronologically. not There's only two times. but The previous chapter, Isaiah 63, is the first time God is referred to as our Father. Like as they're being carried off into captivity, <laughs> <Right? laughs> Is when they start calling him our father. It's kind of amazing. Um, but anyway, I, I like this verse because it was our father and you're our Potter, right? You wanted us as a father, but then you you fashioned us with skill. Right? Okay, turn over to Jeremiah chapter eighteen. This is a little bit longer reading. Um, but it makes the same point and just so you guys aren't nervous, this is another one-point sermon. I mean, we're in the midst of that one point. I'm not, I'm, not making, I'm not making three points. And almost all of this sermon is Scripture. So we're nearing the end. Uh, don't, don't get anxious. <laughs> Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 6. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter, so he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Um... Now, he's talking about a nation, a people at this time. That's, that's the immediate application. But we've just read all these other passages where we are clay as well. If he doesn't like who we are, he's got the right to tell us not to be who we are. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making that claim. <laughs> this isn't coming from me. This is exactly what he just said. If I don't like what you are, I will remake you. And with Israel, he carried them off into captivity until the only people who would return were those who wanted to. Right? Okay. New Testament. Last passage. Romans chapter 9. <clears throat> this, is the one I, this is the passage I think of when I think of the potter and the clay. Uh, it's Romans 9. It's three verses. Romans 9 beginning in verse 19. And it's in the midst of a rather theological you know, text that Paul is going into about how God uses people and how he used Pharaoh and all of these things. But this, this principle I want to pull out. Romans 9, beginning in verse 19. You will say to me then, this is Paul writing to the Romans, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault for who resists his will? On the contrary... Who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, Why did you make me like this, will it? Or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? All good stuff. I'm sure none of this went over your head, but why am I reading this in relation to Jesus being our foundation? The whole point of going through those passages and helping us to see our place is to say Jesus willingly took on the role of that clay. Not speaking back to the potter, and not speaking back, right? But which is what we do all the time. As the creator, he created all of us, and yet he takes on this role of the clay and doesn't step out of line. He, he managed to take on this role and fulfill it perfectly while I a created being by nature fail constantly so like I said in one aspect it totally makes sense he's God he, he should he should do everything perfectly and he did right so I, I understand that but on the other side he's God he's never been created why why would I think it's easy for him to take on the role of a creature how would you like to take on the role of a tree? Right? For the next 30 years, go stand out here with some leaves attached to your ears. Right? And don't be a human. Don't, don't eat. Right? I mean, I'm just saying, take on, take on the role of something lesser than you and see how you like it. <laughs> he did it Perfectly. You know why companies don't want to hire people who are overqualified for a job? I mean, it's kind of the joke, right? Oh, you're overqualified. Go away. But it's true. They, they don't want to hire people. I, I, I've been there. I, on the hiring end, I know why. Um, they're going to get bored. Right? Yeah, you've got a PhD in physics, and you understand cosmology and how the how the stars form and all that. Yeah, you, right, you got that. So we're going to, but we want you to make chicken sandwiches. I don't, don't want you to explain the physics of chicken sandwiches to our customers. We just want you to make chicken sandwiches, right? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with making chicken sandwiches, but I'm saying the person being overqualified is going to get bored out of their mind, right? So they're not going to want to hire them for that job because they're going to be hiring someone else in the next two weeks, right? Well, so imagine Jesus applying for the job of being a creature. Oh, you're an eternal being. I see. <laughs> oh, you have all power to form and mold the universe at your will. Uh, I see. And you're gonna be you're you're gonna be a a creature within that universe, right? Do you, do you think that would have been kind of boring? I mean, I think it would have gone way beyond boring infuriating when you're being slapped by your creation. And they're spitting on you. And they're telling you that you do your works by the power of demons. I mean like <laughs> if I'm if I'm God, I just I like I like I, I reveal myself and it's all over. <laughs> I mean I'm just saying like that's that's what would if if Richard was in that spot, that's what would've happened. I'd been like, all right, I'm going to show you. But he didn't. He acted like he was a, a formed piece of clay the whole time. So, you know, I, I don't know what it's like to be the power behind the universe or to exist outside of time. Never experienced any of that stuff. And yet it's easier. You'd think I'd have, I'd have an easier time just being the creature, but... No, I don't. I prove over and over again that I don't. So here's the conclusion, short conclusion. If I understood the role of the creature better, I would actually be more like Jesus, the foundation of my faith. What's the word? It's the paradox, is the word, Kelly. Think about this. If I understood the role of being the creature, not not. The role of being God or the role of being the creator. If I actually understood the role of being the creature better, I'd be more like Jesus. The foundation of my faith. That's why Jesus is the foundation and not the Word. I know that's semantics, right? But the Word existed before time. The Word didn't die on the cross. Jesus, the Word become flesh, died on the cross. A Word, the Word of God in the beginning can't die on the cross because it doesn't have a fleshly body. So the Word takes on flesh and dies on the cross. That's the foundation right there. It's the death of the Word on the cross in the body. Well, that's what I need to understand more. His role as the creature. So here's an application. Really weird application. Buy some Play-Doh. That's the application. Go buy some Play-Doh. Put that in your hand and... and just fiddle around with it. The whole time thinking, like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be. This is how easy it's supposed to be for God. You know, is this is this thing fighting me? Is it does it does it turn to rock, and then does it turn to water? And right. I mean, if you don't want to buy Play-Doh, just dig three or four inches deep. I mean, we're in Georgia. <laughs> There's clay somewhere. <laughs> get you know don't wear your nice clothes get yourself a handful of clay i'm 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 not messing i'm not joking like do this get something in your hand and say okay the way i'm molding this is the way god intends am i fighting him in that how how easy am i at being molded if if you don't want to do that you know maybe you think it's too weird at least you know Sit down in some quiet place and think about it and reflect on your attitude toward God. You are the created thing. He doesn't owe you anything. Everything that's owed is on your part to him. But do you think about yourself as the created thing? Okay, I, I, I said there was one more passage, but I was wrong. This is the close. This is the close. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Are, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. If you've been saved by Him... He's recreating you. Not, not your flesh. He's recreating the image that you were supposed to bear from the start. <clears throat> and the works that you're supposed to be doing, he prepared before he created the world. Those works were set. right. So if you're supposed to be walking in those, are, are you doing that? right? And if you haven't been saved, well, he's not recreating anything in you. He's waiting for you. He made your body. You got your body. That's not going to last. It's not going to last. The image that you have damaged and destroyed and sullied needs to be recreated. And that's what he's talking about in Ephesians 2. God has done that for Christians. I hope these thoughts were useful to you. Um, I hope it's something you can take and think on. If you need to talk with someone about being a Christian, or if you are a Christian, improving your attitude toward Him. These are the people to have the discussion with. I mean, not the only people, but I'm just saying, like, we're here. Talk to us. Talk to someone you know. Uh, William's going to sing a song now, and we'll close out our service with this song.